Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Ah, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. It is a Friday, so that means Raja's got to take the day off. But no fear, we got David Sampson filling in for him. We're going to have a ton of fun today. Might go off the rails as much as yesterday's show. Yesterday, we went off the rails, which I think is fun. I actually prefer to go off the rails in directions we don't know off the script. Like, we just, we just let the conversation take it where, take us wherever it may go. You have a script? Yeah, we do have See, script. It's funny. I get something sent to me that has like one line in it. Right. Like a stat line. I get, I get all script. the information. Basically, I'm just reading the entire show. No, that's not true. That's exciting. That is. Um, we're going to get into baseball because home runs are up and there are a couple players, David Price, uh, chief among them that are saying the balls could be juiced. So I'm Boy, does he to get complain your t- a lot. He does. He's complaining a lot. So I can't wait to get your thoughts on that. Uh, NBA playoffs, uh, as we saw, the Sixers had a monster game against the Raptors last night. And are you ready for it? DJ, a young Lele. Pretty good, right? Folks, he practiced that for 20 minutes and before I the show. And I think I have it right because I listened to his name about 50 times. He actually says it, pronounces it. I think I got it right. He is making his announcement this weekend. He's a five-star quarterback from California. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later in He's the show. Going, by the way, I have a spoiler alert. Oh, yeah? He actually called to tell me. He did. Where's he going? Yale. Oh, really? Yes. He's going to shock the world. He's going to be going a bulldog. Ivy. Nice. That would be great. That would be great for Yale. You're so I wish there that. would – no, no, no. See, I actually – believe it or not, I actually had a really good GPA in high school, had a pretty strong SAT score. I was recruited by a lot of the Ivies. Did you take your own SATs? I did. I, shockingly, I did. I actually only took it once my sophomore year, and then I just I, – I knew I was going to get recruited for football, so I didn't have to get better like a lot of kids do where they're like, oh, I try to maximize it. So I was like, eh, I'm good. I qualified. Like basically it was 700 at the time. I was well above that. So I was like, I don't 700 care. total for your yeah, SAT? Remember, remember that was the you baseline. You get 700 for writing your name. Oh, I, I know. You get 400 for writing your name. <laughs> and I think you get 300 for filling like three questions right. Wait, is that two N's and one L? <laughs> right. Two L's? You had to make sure that Dad. that. I wish more guys would consider the options of what it would mean to go to an Ivy League school. A Harvard, a Princeton, a Yale. I wish guys would take it more seriously. What are the but odds of this the lure, player? The lure of Florida State and not only the football and the academics, which were quite strong, but also the co-eds were pretty strong. So that was one of the reasons why I looked at Florida State. Boy, but that is a great reason it, to choose a school. It is, but you're 18 at the time. and I, But I like my point, I wish more kids would consider the bigger picture. Because I think to get to the NFL now, I don't think – you have to play at a Florida State, uh, Alabama, a Clemson, Ohio State. They'll find you if you're good. And the football is pretty good at, at the Ivy League. There's you probably no more, don't have as much wear and tear on your body. There's no more of the air up there. Remember the Kevin Bacon movie where he goes to Africa and finds players, basketball players who are just hiding? Yes. You don't really get to hide anymore. Scouts will find you. Right. For me, get the education. Because even if you're the number one quarterback who you're claiming is the number one prospect, he's 18. I'm not old. claiming it. Our 24-7 sport. He is one knee injury away, one Agreed. thighsman away from not making a dollar other True. than what's given to him illegally, right? Yep. One thighsman away. Why not get the best education you can? Because the odds are anyway, you're going to need it. Exactly. Uh, my and there parents, are co-eds at Yale, might I add. My parents, yeah, don't yes, make me there say are. anything. My say parents, it. no, no, I'm not going to say anything. I actually spent a little bit of time in New Haven checking out the pizza place because they have a pizza trail up there, which is outstanding. I'll just withhold my comments on the co-eds at Yale. By withholding it, you're commenting. Okay, fair enough. I was raised 
as a, in such a way that my parents always said you can you know you could always lose football you could always lose athletics you you will always be able to fall back on your degree and yet it still went in one ear and out the other because when you're 17 18 year old, years old you have a different set of priorities it's hard to look long term we're going to break into his uh, break down his decision a little bit later before we get to the NBA two very important quick questions i have for you if you tie a tie you don't ever wear a tie though do you do you I refuse to wear, to wear one ties. Like I even for funerals, ties. weddings, not wear ties. Oh, so this question doesn't even apply. To you. I was going to say, Try what me. is worse to? Because sometimes you know, I wore a tie for eighteen years. Remember? Yeah, that's true. So you did wear it so when you were working. You wore it. Oh, I'm I'm still oh. working. No, no, but apparently I, not. Apparently, I, you don't take this as seriously as you did your last oh, job. Oh, because you take it seriously because you're wearing a knit <laughs> I'm tie. A tie. Yeah, from I got TJ Maxx. <laughs> that's serious. <laughs> no, this is all right. No, this is a, sorry, so folks. Is I'm it not better? Serious. Is it better if you do it the first time and you're in a hurry? Is it better to have it where it's too long or too short? Which would you rather err on? It's there always is- better. By the way, it's a perfect question for me because <laughs> I'm so short. I had to cut my ties because they were always too long, and I would have to redo it. I always want the front to be the right Yes. Yeah, front so, of your tie to be right. And if the back is too long, I would tuck it into my pants. Right. Who cares about the back? just being too short. Right. But I generally had to. I, I did a single Windsor knot always. Right. I never learned how to do a double Windsor. I still don't Maybe know Maybe that's because I'm a product Windsor. of divorce. I don't know. But I, I just <laughs> couldn't do it. So I did a single. And uh, and the ties generally that were not made for five foot five guys. Right. And so so- – it's it's a problem. Yeah. So and then I, I said, it you know bothered what? me. Forget I had ties. my tie on too long, so it was down past my belt. The top of your belt length is the Supposed perfect to be top length. of the belt. It was bothering me, so I actually redid it. So now I think I have. But the does your one. shirt fit you? Because it's not buttoned, so it looks like uh, it I does. bother wearing a tie. It, 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 it does fit me. It's okay, but I just loosened it up because I already did my hit for CBS Sports HQ. So. Our boy Coca, our producer here, is in my ear saying, can we talk some sports? I don't Actually, know. What, he's, he's very against, handsome. He's anti-entertainment, I guess. Coke is. <laughs> uh, speaking of entertainment, the uh, Sixers fans were entertained thoroughly last night as they put a beat down on the Toronto Raptors at home. Was never really close. At halftime, they had a commanding lead. They won 116-95. to uh, Joel Embiid showed why people are so high on him and the potential that's been there throughout his career. It made you forget for a few minutes about some of the injury issues he's had, some of the immaturity issues he's had, because when he is on, you see the type of devastating performance he can have, not only with the ball in his hands, but when he's on the defensive force and he can have five blocks in a game and really everybody's scared to attack the rim. You guys are so different now. I mean, you've got two of them in the playoffs, one with the Nuggets, Dokic, and now and you look at Embiid. We're showing him driving to the basket. He can shoot the three, not consistently, but enough that you have to respect it. And then he's got the Euro step like Giannis, where basically he goes from half court to the hole in three steps yeah, like and one, one dribble. dribble. Yeah. And that's what's incredible about him. What's telling about the NBA playoffs for me is that the team which wins each game is just the team who shoots better. Sounds counterintuitive and like obvious, but no, with all the threes that are being shot, you know, the Bucks shot 20 for 47 a game too. Yes, they're going to win if you're going to hit 23s, but is this the type of basketball that we like watching? You don't. I know you don't. I would like to see a mix because I like seeing the threes, but I also like to see a little bit more movement. I like to see a little bit more creativity. I like to see a little bit more attacking the basket and finishing at the basket, not always trying to kick it out for the three-point shot. You are right, though. It is it is all about a make-miss league right now. Who is making the shot? It's all ISO, right? So for for Leonard, right, it's Mm -hmm. all ISO. They get him the ball. They clear out. Sometimes they'll set a high pick. 
you know, on top of the key. And then instead of the pick and roll, it's the pick and disappear. It's a new play. I don't know if Red Arback ever heard of it, <laughs> but it, it's, it's the pick and get out of my way. So from my perspective, as I'm watching the games, I'm just saying you can't gamble on these games properly because you say to yourself, the only, the team who's going to win is the team who shoots better. How can you predict on a game to game basis? Right. Who's shoot better. Right. And, and if you try to say, all right, the hot team, there's no guarantee that's going to carry over from does, one game to the does, next. It does it not. It does not translate. Um, I was wrong on this game yesterday. I know Debo's probably like, when's he going to say it? Because both Raja and I uh, took the Raptors in this uh, game, the first game back in Philadelphia. It's completely wrong on that. Now I'm wondering if I've been wrong on the series because Toronto, um, as good as they looked in game one, as great as Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard have looked, all of a sudden you're starting to look at this team and say, I don't think that's enough. Uh, Philly's deeper. There's Philly's no much doubt about deeper. That. And I, the Philly's thing for me is always a maturity, a continuity, uh, of them getting on the same page. And, but I think last night when you see the potential of what they can be when they're on, then you could say, all right, this is a team not only can win the series, but they could represent the Eastern Conference in the, the finals. The question is, are they willing? Do you remember the 1983-82 Sixers with World Be Free and George McGinnis and Caldwell Jones and Moses Malone? The biggest problem they had is there was only one basketball. Right. And these Philly, these Phillies, that's funny. These Sixers <laughs> had the same issue. What was interesting is when Jimmy Butler at a press conference at the end of the game, he sounded for the first time that they were being selfless. Mm-hmm. And if they become a selfless team, they're going to advance. They'll get past the Raptors because they're a better team. A selfish team, if they play that way, they will not get past the Raptors. Yep, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, as the series continues to move on. More uh, more interesting, I think, is the Kawhi Leonard impact on, I think specifically, how this playoff run, how long it lasts, could impact his future. He looked really frustrated after the game. Uh, when he sat down with the media, just body language alone. And I know he's kind of a, he's a quieter guy who doesn't like, he's not going to sit there for 10 minutes after a win even and just no. give great he answers. Learn from for Pop. The Don't forget that. Exactly. He did learn from Pop. But I did think you saw some frustration of, I don't like having to carry my team. Because he's done his part. Pascal Siakam has done his part. But then everybody else has been pretty atrocious. And I, I look at Kyle Lowry as a guy who, you know, he's, his, his issues in the playoffs are well documented. He has discussed them quite openly. After the game, he said, uh, talking about Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry said, we've got to help him. I was literally saying it during the game. We have to help him. He's doing everything he could possibly do offensively and def- defensively to bleeping win games. And myself, I'm not helping him enough. He's right. That's he the marketing department, points. you know. Yeah. Marketing sales department of the Raptors had Lowry say that. They did. They want to They're- keep Leonard and they want to keep him happy. Here's the way to help him, right? If you're How about Lowry. produce on the, That's on the court? It. Can you yeah. imagine? It's easy, right? <laughs> yeah. How about hit a shot or two? Right. Right? Take some pressure off. But Leonard, the, why he's frustrated after a loss, he's not thinking about free agency. He's a max guy. Yep. So he knows that he, he's rich, richer, and richest. The question is, where does he want to live from from a personal standpoint? Is he comfortable in Canada, A, eh, where the taxes are insane? Yep. Does he want to go to California? Does he want to be part of a big taxes three? Taxes are insane there too. Yes, but yeah. does he want to be part of a, does he want to be part of a big three? Does he want to play with LeBron? Does he want to just chase rings or does he want to chase comfort? That's what's in his head, but not today. His frustration was based on a playoff loss, not the fact that he's in Toronto or alone or he's about to be a free agent. Of course it is. I totally agree with you. But if you're Kawhi Leonard, I think you would want to see a team that's close if you were going to stay there. If all of a sudden it looks like, 
hey, this Toronto team isn't that much different than it's been the last five years, even though I joined it, I would say that's more likely that you might leave. If he took this team to the finals and maybe they took the uh, the Warriors to six games, don't you think that would come into play? Like, hey, I'm close. Or you think the players don't really care that much about? I, they don't. It? I, I mean, do agree. There's there's a pros and cons column that you know. Anytime you make a big decision in life, you're probably going to come up with the pros and cons. I would hope that he would feel like I'm a championship team. Possibly is pretty high up on that list. Now, maybe that's too idyllic of me, like saying, hey, that like I would love if everybody thought like that. Do you think it's more likely that? Obviously, the money is going to play a massive part, probably the most important. But because it is a max contract, it, what's next? Like, is it because he's from California, he might go back home? Or is this no, just my, only um, something that he knows in his head? Danny, my worst day as an MLB team president was the day that I realized that my players care about winning less than I do. Yeah. That was like – that hurt. When I was a kid, the toughest day was knowing that it would be easier to own a team than to play on a team. Mm-hmm. Right, that was a tough moment when you're a short Jewish kid <laughs> from New York City. Right, and then my professional moment was that. So, what moment? What do you remember a specific moment? Because I remember clear as day. What happened? Clear as day. As a kid, when I did not make my junior varsity uh, basketball team because they took a tall guy named Josh Price. If you're out there, Josh Price, <laughs> you stunk at basketball, <laughs> and they took you on the team because you were tall. And I practiced free throws and dribbling, and I got cut. Seminal moment for me as a as a team president. I remember very well in 2005 when we got eliminated from the wild card race. We had signed Carlos Delgado, we had signed Al Leiter, and we were supposed to be good. We were in the wild card lead in September, and I was devastated after a game in Houston that we should have beaten Roger Clemens after Roger Clemens' mother died. And I walked into the clubhouse, and there were three guys, and I remember who they are. Three guys who were despondent like I was and 22 guys who were getting ready to get dressed and go out. And it, it, it ruined the rest of my career almost. I remember the moment for me when I was realized, Oh, professional football is different than college. When I was at Florida state, if we lost you in the locker room, it was a funeral. And it was, and it was like that way probably for the next week, like every day of practice, it was just something missing. The coaches had to try to lift us up and say, Hey, the season's not over, but we were devastated and it hurt inside. Remember my first loss in the regular season? Because in the preseason, I was like, okay, it doesn't matter. Preseason doesn't matter. And I was like, maybe this is different because guys after the game are ready to go out and party. And then we get in the regular season, lose our first game. And I remember thinking in the locker room, the vibe was completely different. Guys were talking to the media. They were, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't quiet. It was still, it was kind of like you couldn't tell the difference between. Now you could tell there was more celebration and a win, clearly. More music. But it was not devastating and that was a real wake-up call for me thinking oh this is the business of the nfl this is not guys playing and since we just had the nfl draft i think the hardest thing that uh, executives coaches scouts gms need to try to figure out is which guys obviously i would say maybe it's not a hundred percent but it's really really close to a hundred percent the guys are doing it for a play a paycheck but i would try to find the guys that winning really matters and they still care and I think it's it's the hardest thing to try to uncover if you're if you're doing all these interviews at the combine because every player is going to tell you what you want to hear, and but when they show up and after you lose a game, 
they're not exactly living up to what they told you or what you think they might have been. Have you ever interviewed someone for a job where they come in and they interview with you and, hey, why do you want to work in this company? And they give you oh, yeah, the top yeah. five reasons. <laughs> they sound great. You hire them. I've done this before. I can do it. They show up first day of work and they're rearranging their pencils and they're on CBSSports.com doing fantasy stuff and gambling and you realize, wow, it's possible you can't do your job. And then they give you their first piece of work product and they can't put three sentences together to make a paragraph. It's a whole world of difference between the combine and getting into a regular season game in the NFL. And the combine is based on, that's why, what's your 40-yard dash time? What is your lift? Like, it's it's analytical tools that don't show you this. Right. And that's my issue with baseball, which has gone so analytical that when we draft a kid or when we call a kid up to the big leagues, we're looking here, here, and here. Analytics, they are simply, it's, it's, it's this. Yep. They look at a piece of paper. Robot. And so for me, I don't think you win that way. Right. But I don't, I think it is the hardest part of the evaluation process is finding the heart. And you can try, you can talk to their coaches. I talk to little league coaches, you know, high school coaches, college coaches, anybody you can talk to. But even then you're getting a lot of what you want to hear because they'd love to have a first round pick. They would love to have a major leaguer, all those types of and things. People change as they get older. So and people change monitor. when they get the big check. Well, I don't love long-term deals, even though I'm the king of giving them. <laughs> I, and they're wrong all the time. I don't like it because people change. They change when their paycheck every two weeks is yep. significant. Yep, they absolutely do. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. All right, a little bit later, we're going to get into the Kentucky Derby. Bucket list item or not. Have either one of us been there uh, or desire to? We'll get into that a bit later. But some baseball talk. Baseball is has been on this trajectory of home run increase year over year over year, and this year is no different. You saw a record 1,144 home runs hit in March and April, averaging 2.62 homers a game. It's an increase of 12% from just a year ago. Uh, they're on pace for 6,500 home runs, which would be another new record for baseball. Three teams, the Twins, Mariners, and Brewers, are on pace to hit more than 300 homers, shattering this Yankees single-season record of 267 last year. You can go on and on with stats that show that they're hitting a lot of home <laughs> Please, runs. I don't want to bore going. us with keep all those. Going. So, one David Price of the Boston Red Sox was asked about it, and he said to uh, Bob Nightingale of the USA Today, come on, just tell us. We all see it. Just come clean and say it, basically insisting that the balls are juiced. So you, David Sampson, baseball guy, are the baseballs juiced or is something else juiced? I couldn't resist. I sure as hell hope they're juiced. <laughs> right. And why shouldn't they be? So listen, first of all, you think they are? David Price should shut the hell up. <laughs> I've had enough of him. I really have. The whole thing with him and, and we'll talk about Fortnite later in the show because we can't go out of order because Coco loses mind. But let's talk about Price and balls and home runs. We are choosing this for our sport. Walks, 
strikeouts, home runs. Mm-hmm. Do you remember after the 1994 strike when we were both babies? Mm-hmm. There was a strike in baseball in 94. Yep. And then attendance went down. TV money was down. All of a sudden, 1998 happens. What was happening in 1998? So, so McGuire home run race. Everybody's going for the fences. People losing their minds. Yep. Everybody, it's must see TV every night. Sosa v. McGuire. Will they break the record? Right? It's, yep. it's a steroid party. It's a home run chase. Everyone's happy. Everyone's getting paid. Players are getting paid. Teams are going up in value. Then we realize, uh oh, people die from taking steroids. We're getting some heat. Right. We're going to do a blue ribbon panel. If you remember the blue ribbon panel where they name all the players who did steroids. Yep. Then Palmero lies in front of the Congress yep. and says, I didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden. That one Sosa didn't speak English. <laughs> he doesn't. Oh, oh no. We, we can't even talk about Sosa. Right. Um, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> right. Okay. Then testing. Great testing. Yep. Players are still doing steroids. We know this. I know this. Today. Today. Okay. It will always be ahead of the testing. Mm-hmm. MLB has the greatest testing program of any sport. It's better they in conjunction with the U.S. Doping Association, it World Doping Association, whatever. What I do know is players have a way of masking always. They're always ahead of that in every sport. Yep. What I also know, though, is baseball attendance is down. Did you see the Kansas City Royal game I yesterday? I did. It made Marlins Park look like Wrigley Field. <laughs> it did. It was empty. 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 Even though it was game one of a doubleheader on a Wednesday, I'm the king of all. And it looked overcast. It looked cold, maybe. Oh, it's the greatest. Baltimore was close too, though. Somebody did. Weather. Like somebody, people started tweeting other stadiums that had early starts. And they were empty too. It's it, attendance is an issue. Baseball's got to figure out. We need some interest in the game. Now, is Harper Machado? Was that the interest we needed? Well, that helped in San Diego, but Machado is not a worldwide or even a league-wide personality mm-hmm. the way Maguire and Sosa were in 98. So now they say, what about Trout? Well, we know from Trout, he doesn't want to be that guy. He doesn't want to be the man, and he's in the wrong time zone. You cannot have the face of your sport in the Western time zone. 10.30 at night, East Coast. Too I haven't seen him People aren't watching, yeah. which is why LeBron, believe it or not, when he moved out West from Midwest and from East, it changed his Q rating in, in, in basketball. So now we need a face of the game. And we need a reason to watch. So are the balls juiced? What that means is are they being made tighter? Mm-hmm. Is there a chance there's a conspiracy where we're doing something with the balls that makes them go further upon contact? The answer is it's yes. However, MLB will come out with a study like it always does mm-hmm. saying we've studied the balls and they're exactly the same. <laughs> right. It, it, so you don't believe them. It's like me studying your balls and saying footballs. Thank you for and clarifying saying, that. And saying, yeah, those are not deflated. Those are inflated. They feel like they've always felt that it, I can say anything and I can say that I have a study to prove it. Right. The facts are the facts. We live in a home run era. And David Price, who got paid, should just be quiet and say, hey, this is exciting baseball. We've got offense. We've got runs being scored. Let's come out and watch games. If he doesn't like it, then he should appeal to his union to change the way his players get paid, not by striking out as a pitcher, striking out hitters, or by hitting home runs as a player. That's how you can change how the game's played. So the counter that I would say, if you really wanted to believe that the baseballs weren't juiced, would say, well, this is the change in the way the game is played now because there's a different approach at the plate. Guys are taught the way this way from a young age to swing for the fences, which is why the strikeout rate is also Because they get paid for that. 
Agreed. Which, but you don't think that's enough? You think it's the balls as well? So you think it's both? I think it's a, I think it's a combination. Absolutely. Launch angle and all these analytical tools. Forget all that. Let's talk money. Yeah. Players get paid money to hit home runs. They don't get paid for singles. Remember the old days, Ichiro, the famous contract? He got paid as a singles hitter. He got paid a ton of money. Yep. And I criticized that contract very vociferously and publicly because it changed the salary scale for singles hitters. I think we should make it so singles and doubles hitters, triples hitters get paid the most because it's exciting when there's people running around the bases. Look at our highlights. We're guilty of it here on the queue, yeah. and they're guilty of it everywhere. We show only home runs. Right, let's, and we let's, show bat flips because well, we love bat, bat flips. flips. Those are going to save the game, which I think is stupid to have I that philosophy. I can't talk to you about bat flips. No, I know you can't. We're done. Let me ask you, though, is there a solution to it? Like, Because I, I, I think all sports, if you look across the board, NFL, college football – uh, attendance is down for a couple reasons. I think one, the tickets are more expensive than they've ever been because all these beautiful stadiums are being built. But I also think it's really easy and enjoyable to watch the games at home. Like the Phillies, for instance, they got Bryce Harper. They're winning, which I think also plays into part why, why people want to go watch, but their TV ratings are up 30%. Like, cause people are doing it. I don't know if their attendance, I'm assuming they probably are, but I don't, is there a solution to all? I think it's not only baseball, it's all these sports. How do you get people to come out to the stadium? I think it's more challenging. There's more, um, competition and other activities. There are other things to do. There are video games at home. There's TV where you can actually watch it at home. I don't, maybe we've seen the golden age of well, attendance. There's in our also sports. infrastructure issues and that's what we don't talk about enough. In cities and towns where there's nothing else going on and not a lot of traffic, you really don't have attendance issues. Mm -hmm. In cities where it's a pain in the neck to get somewhere, let's talk about Miami. Right. It is a pain in the neck to get down to Marlins Park. Trust me, I did it for years and years and years. So if I have a choice here in Miami to watch the Marlins who stink right. on TV or to schlep all the way down to the ballpark in traffic and be aggravated about it, I'm going to stay at home. If I'm in Kansas City and it's freezing cold, the weather's, the weather's bad, and I'm in my office and it's an afternoon game, and I say to a client, hey, let's go to a Royals game against the Rays. The Rays are the best team in baseball. Let's go watch them play. And the guy looks and says, you want me to drive a half hour and, and eat overpriced food and freeze my tuchus off? Right. Why would I do any of that? Right. Forget it. I've got HDTV. Right. It's and I can be watching like Canel and Bell, right? And sometimes Samson. And if it's not good, the game isn't good. You just turn the channel, like because they're probably your team's probably going to lose anyway, so you just switch it. Um, Shohei Otani was one of the bigger storylines uh, we saw last season when he came over trying to be this two-way player. Unfortunately, he had the injury where he had to undergo Tommy John surgery. Still hasn't played this year. He was a two-way player. Uh, so he's not not anymore. Right. He's not going to be because they're going to use him as a DH. So you still see that he will not p see he will not take the mound again as an angel. Oh no, he will not take a mound this year. My position on Otani is that I am upset that the Angels are bringing him back this year to hit. Oh really? They're a team that's going nowhere. They should have rehabbed him as a pitcher. DH. He's not even going to do anything. He's got, he doesn't Can have that imagine? much. What are we worried about? It's a DH, folks. It's he's an athlete. This he wants to Danny he wants Pinnell. to play. He wants to play the game. He doesn't know athlete lights being shelved for a year and a half to not play the game that you love. So why don't him let him go out there and actually hit? Because he's my asset. I control him and I'm in charge of him and I need him to pick. What if he's for my me. teammate and I like playing with him and I want him on the field with me because maybe he can and start paying while the I'm bills. The mound. Start paying the bills. <laughs> All right. Oh, Otani said I'm pretty impatient to begin with, so I'm getting a little impatient. But as I get closer and closer, the more impatient I'm getting. Personally, I feel like I'm ready to go as of right now. 
put him out in the field. Let him go. The only thing we never did when running a baseball team, we never once paid attention to what a player <laughs> said about his own injury. We should Not be paying time. more attention to the players because no? this might be a guy who actually wants to win as opposed to a guy who does it for the money. Really? See? That's what I'm trying to find. Guys like Shohei Otani. Want to bet a dollar on that? No, I won't bet a dollar on that one. The Angels are 15 and 17. They're fourth in the AL West right now. So it probably doesn't matter. Just keep them shelved if you want to do that. The Yankees, on the other hand, uh, have been a mess with the injuries they've, um, that's just been a rash of injuries. The injury list is long. It's kind of like those baseball stats, the home run stats. I won't read them all to you. Are you surprised that they're still in second in the division? Well, it's been a division of mediocrity, right? The Red Sox have played terribly. The the Blue Jays with calling up Guerrero, thinking that'll make a difference. Uh, it's just and the and the Orioles. Can we talk about the Orioles? No, I don't want to take a minute talking about them. They're so bad. Now, Tampa Bay has started off great. The Yankees have done smoke and mirrors. They had a very easy April schedule, and they took advantage of it with these injuries. What you've seen since they started playing good teams, they got swept by the Diamondbacks. They've got the Twins in town, and I'm about to call on the queue later this afternoon. My underdog of the day is I'm taking the Twins over the Yankees. The Yankees aren't good enough to beat good teams. They're just good enough to beat bad teams. So, so you're not you're not you're not going to give Aaron Boone a lot of credit for keeping this team above water and kind of in contention with all those injuries. You're not giving my man any credit, Booney. Is he your man? We were together. I like Booney. He's he was a great a, dude. He was one of my... I, yeah, that's I mean, right. My dad knew him too. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. I know him well. He does great imitations. You're not giving He's a manager a guy. here. Uh, managers make, uh, can make good teams great. They can't make bad teams good. Uh, and they can't make, make incredible teams worse. Right. That's an, that's an interesting... So game. I don't... He is who he is. All right. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell, hanging out on Friday. It is Kentucky Derby weekend. Hanging out with not Raja. Not Raja. We're not giving him enough. No, I, enough for grief not being for here. just step, right. stepping out. It's load management. You know, these I NBA guys. It's hard to imagine. These NBA guys. I'm going to give him some load management. <laughs> Have you, you got to be careful with your phrasing. We already had somebody else tweet in at us, uh, at funnyman1 said, that moment when David Sampson starts talking about Danny Cannell's balls on Cannell and Bell. Footballs, of course, was the comments that we were talking about. I don't know where that guy's Can't beat that on the In the queue. gutter, exactly. Tune into the queue. <laughs> exactly. Um, the Kentucky Derby. Have you been? No. I haven't either. Is it on a bucket list for you of sports events? I've been to a lot of great sport events and I do, I try to do one every year that's crazy, like the World Sumo Wrestling Championship. We're at the Ryder Cup. I know I was jealous of that. Ryder Cup. Is that your first Ryder Cup? Yes. Yeah, I won it. My that's first a golf tournament. For me. It was really? great. Yeah. The guy I was with got hit by a ball. <laughs> no. Literally. So that made the trip there. even better? I sit there and wait for the officials and referees to come by. I've got pictures, but we don't have enough to pull up video. <laughs> But it's uh the thing with the derby that bothers me. I don't like wearing hats, right? And I don't like. Now you don't have to wear a hat. You really should. You should if you want to kind of get into the festive mood. But like Bob Baffert, the legendary trainer, well, you ever seen him with a hat? No, but if you had yeah, that got, mop of gray, yeah, that's true. That is like true. us. Yeah, that's right. Hats. I I think you could find like a fedora or something that you could just pick up pretty off the street. You just don't like it. No, I definitely. Like, I never had a mint julep. A I never had a mint julep. I don't know if I would like it anyway. You know. I'm but pressing the cough button. Did that work? I don't know if that works in our th- in our studio either. <laughs> um, it is supposed to be legendary for the parties uh, that go on. It's an all day or for the two minutes of racing. You have right. to focus for two minutes. Right. Apparently, you party. It's my kind of. There thing. are lead in races, but I don't think anybody cares about those. It's all about the cocktails and the uh, the hats and the dresses that are going on. I've covered football at Louisville, and you can actually from Louisville's football stadium press box, you can see Churchill Downs. It's not that impressive. 
Like, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. It kind of looks like a dump. It's a stable that fits 100,000 people, right? <laughs> right. That's I mean, that's essentially what it is. Now you have the gorgeous, I don't even know what you call it, the facade, which is kind of like, I mean, I would say it's probably up there with Yankee Stadium as far as, like, famous facades and the, you know, the architecture that you see. It's very recognizable. But the surroundings, not that You amazing. love the, um, what what instrument is it that does the sound they play? The bugle the, or the, the trumpet? I think it's a trumpet. The big or, one? Yeah, but they, I thought that was the bugle. They stand there and play it. It's got such pomp and circumstance. It does. It makes me feel so unworthy, right? As I'm (laughs) sitting in my underwear watching it right from the couch and there's such, you know, everyone looks so good. Yes. And then you think about what horse racing is and I start to feel a little badly. You do for the horses. Yes. Yeah. I don't feel as bad for them as I do for the dogs. Like those horses are treated like royalty. But the dogs have nothing on their back. That is true. Horses have me. Like, I'm <laughs> that a, is true. But Jorge Consu like, used to think I was a jockey. <laughs> he did. He would always call me. He's like, who are you riding this weekend? Are jockeys athletes? Yes. Are horses athletes? Yes. Come on. Like a coxswain. Like is saying. it a coxswain? Coxswain? <laughs> I don't know. For crew. Like the yes. little guy in crew? Yes. Pull. Not an athlete. That's an athlete. That is not an athlete. You get a varsity letter, do you're an something athlete. with a ball, a racket, a something. You have to hit it. I hit a ball. You have to catch a ball, throw a ball. You have to do something. I totally. In order to be considered an athlete. Can you not be a great debater and be an athlete? A, a, a national no. ranked debater in high school. You don't consider that a, no. No. You consider that intellectual? It's a mathlete. <laughs> That's what that is. There's a different category for that. All right. You're an athletist. Speaking of the Kentucky Derby, you guys love our hammer and Hank Goldberg. He's outstanding. I listened to him as a kid on talk radio here in South Florida. He's a legend of the game. Well, the hammer goes straight to the source to get winning race, uh, racing picks. Last year, he was all over Justify early after talking to a timer, talking to a timer in California. Who is he all over this year in the Kentucky Derby? I'm having trouble with my this reading today. Awesome. Who is he all over this year in Kentucky Derby? Visit sportsline.com and click on Kentucky Derby to see his picks for this year's Derby. Use promo code Derby to get your first month of picks for just one dollar. Here's a shorter that. read for that. Yeah. Hammering Hank will help you win money. You just have to do a dollar. Promo code Derby. And go do it. Sportsline.com. Check that out. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, your favorite team. Hate them. Why do you hate the Cowboys? The Giants. I've been a Giants guy my whole life. Perfect, because we're going to segue into him just a second, because I'm curious to get your thoughts on Dave Gettleman. Jerry Jones says the Cowboys will be a better team this year. Uh, shouldn't every GM say that? Is he, is he talking as the owner? I don't know. The president or the GM? That's I do all I not think know. The, I do not think, I have a firm believer that the Cowboys will not win a Super Bowl as Jerry Jones in all these different roles. If well, they have. separate himself. They have. But that was with Jimmy Johnson. That's a different, but he never let, been the coach. But Jimmy Johnson was the GM. Not really. Yes, he those that all those his picks. Title were, under the agreement. No, but Jerry, Jimmy Johnson made charge. all those draft picks. Don't no, 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 no. J- Jerry Jones uh, didn't do squat. That was Jerry Jimmy Jones Johnson was in charge the way he is now. Not the as difference much. Difference is he's not listening to people anymore because he had a little success. Trust me, I've worked with owners like this. They win a championship. Yep. They make suggestions. They get a ring, and all of a sudden think that every suggestion they make is going to be good. There's only one thing I like about Jerry Jones. Literally only one thing. He makes a lot of money. It's not his taste in art, because I've, have you, have oh, you toured the art no. at AT&T Stadium? Oh, it's not good, huh? It's schlock. <laughs> Absolute schlock. What I, I love, that word. he's willing to own the fact that he's the owner. He makes the decisions. He's unapologetic. He's not going to fire himself. And when things go well, it's because of him. And when things go badly, it's because of him. He doesn't hide behind anyone. It's the only thing about him I respect. Uh, we can disagree on who built those teams when they won the Super Bowls. 
Uh, but I think we can both agree that they're they're not going to win with him. He's, I, I think, you know, we talk about players being in it for what the game brings to them or the love of the game. I think Jerry Jones is at a point where he really loves being the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Love he loves being taking the microphone after every game. You don't see that many GMs, period, address the media after games. Every game, he after every game, he holds court. In the locker room, and it drives me nuts because very rarely does it do him. Uh, He's the him Scott Boris of owners because yes. there's no microphone he doesn't like. That is true. And but he owns it, and I'll give him credit for that. But no, his team is not good, and his quote: "He's he needs some PR help. There's no tangible but reason." But he's now he won't listen to anybody because you've had that much success, you have that much money. Why would you listen to anybody? You do, like you're just kind of in this own stratosphere where you're kind of above everything, and you don't feel the criticism probably because you have a bunch of yes men around you that are some of them are your family members that like their jobs and they're not willing to stick up to you. And Only so you're just insecure kinda... people surround themselves with psychophants, and he is one of those people. Yes, he is. Uh, Dave Gettleman is not afraid of a microphone either, and I think he should be. I think he should keep his mouth shut. Here is what he has had to say about Daniel Jones, their quarterback. They selected sixth overall. We're thrilled to get Daniel. He was uh, he was up there with everybody else on our board in terms of value. And... Uh, he is. He's a. He is just perfect for us. We really perfect. think he's gonna. We really believe in this kid, and we really believe he's gonna be the. A nice, um, not a nice, a real quality quarterback for us, for our franchise. He uh, he understands what's what's in front of him. Uh, you know, we've spoken to Eli, and uh, and uh, talked to him. And uh, Daniel's coming in here to learn, learn how to be a pro, learn how to be a professional quarterback. And um, I'm just, like I said, I, I'm a little tired. I'm <laughs> thrilled to have him. All right, so that was the night that they selected Daniel Jones. Wow. Since then, he's gone on to guarantee that they could not have taken him at 17 because he guarantees you he has two teams that he knows for a fact that would have selected him before that. Uh Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's also said that maybe they would follow the Green Bay Packers plan and sit him for three years, which is the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen. He said. won't be there in three years. Uh, not if Daniel Jones isn't playing or isn't any good. Either one of those scenarios pl- uh, plays out. Um, I think he's doing his quarterback, his young quarterback, an incredible disservice by putting this added pressure on him and creating this dissension among a fan base because no one likes Daniel Jones. I feel bad for Daniel Jones now. What do you think Dave Gettleman should do? Or should have done from this point. Because I don't mind him taking a quarterback. I don't want to ever see him behind a podium and behind a microphone. If I'm the owner of the Giants, like the Mara family, I'm freaking out right now. This is who's representing my football department with a team that's been underperforming for years. A fan base who's totally frustrated. A quarterback who we have married ourselves to who absolutely can't win games anymore. Who is going to go to the Hall of Fame. Who's gotten me rings. So I love him so much. But he's finished. And now I've got Gettleman talking this way. So, number one, no more microphone. Number two, what he's got to do is he needs to have spoken with Eli prior to taking Jones. And he needs they need to have had a plan ready to be given to the fan base and the public the night of the draft. Now they're just covering up all the mistakes they've made. So now no one's listening. So their fan base and around the country, the fans of the Giants, have just closed their ears because they assume anything coming out of his mouth is crap. So they missed their window. So how do you cover it up? They have another chance when camp opens. Not this. Not many. Not the camp, rookie. Not mini camp. I'm talking about when it's time for preseason football real pads. You have to have a the coach with a direct answer of who's playing, what the plan is, regardless of record. 
you can't be doing the Jones watch every single half if Manning isn't playing well. So um, it's interesting the way this is all playing out, right? Because I think the biggest problem I have with the Giants is what is the plan? Because a year ago they took Saquon Barkley, which I actually defended him. I thought Saquon Barkley, I think he is a generational back. He was rookie of the year. I think he proved that. I have no problem with them passing on Sam Darnold on every, every quarterback, although a lot of people disagree with that. Um, what I do have a problem with is in the offseason, you've got Odell Beckham Jr., who, you know, you have this back and forth with him. He's been this mercurial teammate. Uh, he's been a cause of dissension in the locker room. Uh, and you go ahead and reward him with a $70 million contract, whatever the number was in the contract. Then, a year later, you decide to trade him away to the Cleveland Browns. And, well, why did you do all that? Why didn't you just get what you were you know? hoping he'd be better? Right, but that was a mistake. All right, so we can, there was no chance he was going to be better. Right, there was no chance he was going to be better, and I don't think he was going to change. Even though he's promised he was going to be a t- you know a professional, and he wasn't going to be a distraction. He still was. Then you get to this um, off season, you get to this draft, and you decide to go ahead and, and keep uh, Eli Manning around at twenty-two million dollars, which is a pretty expensive number. When all right, if that's your plan, and you said on the record, if we supply Eli with the right players around him, we still think he can be productive. We still think we can win Super Bowls with him. Uh, and we see him for another two years, not one year, two years. Then you don't draft Jones. Exactly. That's why you see so. all these contrasting decisions that don't make any sense as far as what the plan is. I don't, that's why I have no problem at all criticizing Dave Gettleman. I don't like getting up here and saying people are clueless because these people, they put a lot of work behind the scenes and they do a lot, but he's made a lot of mistakes and one of them, he needs to keep his mouth shut because he needs to stop putting his, uh, Daniel Jones in a rough spot, which he has. Uh, their rookie camp does start today, so I'm sure there will be more Daniel Jones talk over the weekend. Oh, I please, please, for his sake, do not throw a couple interceptions in his first practice because if that gets out, oh, they're, you think those giants, oh, they're going to be all over him. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell, hanging out with David Sampson on a Friday, Kentucky Derby weekend. Just to give people a glimpse of what happens behind the scenes. We are a young, I don't want to say fledgling podcast show. We are thriving. You're not fledgling. We're thriving podcast slash online streaming show. Um, but we don't have all the resources that some other networks might have. So last segment, you saw some outstanding sound from Dave Gettleman. You actually got to heard him say it, right? Uh, that normally sometimes doesn't happen on the show. I have to read a quote, but we actually got something done. Should we share how it got done? I think it's very simple. <laughs> it's oh. Money talks, right? My man think. David Sampson right here. I said I need Gettleman sound. Said I want I'm some t- Gettleman sound. Whipped out the whipped out the yeah. C note. Put it out there and imagine that. The All sound of a got Gettleman done. Song. All of a sudden it happened. Well, hold on a second though. I'm going to be broke if we have to do that every time we need sound because I want sound every show. That's a $500 week. You're going to get a raise though. That is true. And by the, the way, would don't be you have any, I got an expense account. You don't have that? Oh, that's perfect. Oh, I already All right. expensed this. I'm going to put that on the way, there then. I know how to make money. You expense this at $105. Oh, put a little uh, premium on there. It's a VIG. That could also yeah. get you fired too. Yes, likes VIGs. I actually heard some really horse, uh, horrific stories about some people that were Forging parking receipts just to make a couple extra bucks parking. That's a little over the top. We fired people with, uh, I have fired people for cheating on their expenses. Yeah. It's people do it all the time. Yeah. Notice. Well, people aren't that very, uh, aren't smart and they're greedy. That is for sure. All right. Fortnite has become an issue apparently with the Boston Red Sox. It is no longer in their clubhouse. So Nathan Evaldi, uh, told WEI in a story published Wednesday that he hasn't seen the popular video game, uh, around all season. He said, usually everybody had it set up in their lockers, but I haven't seen it. 
uh, last year apparently had become a distraction for the Red Sox. I don't know if it was a distraction as much as it was an injury risk because David, David Price, Price actually got injured playing Fortnite. He got carpal tunnel syndrome. He pretended it had something to do with something else. It was not. He was sitting there playing video games. And if you do your thumb like this, you can a zillion times over and over and over. Forearm. So Nathan Avaldi, by the way, Mr. Bone Chip, $68 million man himself. What I'm glad he's no, the He just spokesman. had the surgery, right? Right. So, so he's out again for the same bone. Great guy. But again, I'm not sure what, why we're, why he's talking about this. When the Red Sox are winning, when a team is winning, you don't worry about the clubhouse as much, but you do look for things that can lead for injuries. When you start the way the Red Sox have as the front office, you're going down to that clubhouse and you are cleaning it up. You are. Oh, uh, 100%. All right, so uh, you're uh, what changing about... the food, you're ripping over the spread, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. You're doing something to change what's happening. You take away some of their benefits. You take, you make them come in for more workouts. You do things by saying you're going to work harder because you're not performing on the field. If you want more time off, then you better start winning some games. How about this theory? What if, and he says it hasn't been around all year. What if that's creating division in the locker? As we're looking for it in the clubhouse, there's no team chemistry. There's no bonding where they're usually hanging out. You're all a clubhouse day. guy, Danny. What's the number one thing that causes division in a major league clubhouse or a, a professional clubhouse? For me, it was always music. Music. Yes. Number one. So we had a system with the Marlins that we had different days for the different clicks. Right. You knew that yeah, Monday. Hip hop one day. Uh, you know, have the it was country region. day. <laughs> it is. It is Hispanic music. It is. It is soft adult contemporary Hard rock. rock. Wait, they had soft rock? Look, you're the Who one that I want. That? You are the one I want. That was your choice, Baby. Oh, Wait I a do, second. I would you do Broadway soundtrack. Soundtrack? Broadway. You made them listen to that? That's Hell what yeah. they put in the prisoners to like torture them so they give the truth they put in that type of music. You put that in the clubhouse? Have you ever seen Book of Mormon? No wonder they were awful. We have a ring. Wait a minute. I have so a you're ring. You're telling me the ring season. They were listening to Broadway music. I'm just music. saying. I guarantee you they weren't bit of music. Okay. And it if can that's be a your fight. Point. But for but by the way, Fortnite. It's an issue for me. I don't like video games because you've got 25 guys with their head into their locker, and I want 25 guys with their head out of their locker. Playing cards, dominoes, which have traditionally been the games that guys have been playing in the locker. Exactly. But also, I've seen division when guys have lost a lot of money playing cards or dominoes or one of those they, too. They lose their meal money on the plane playing poker. Which as long as it's meal money, it's not that big a deal. It's a problem when you have bigger than meal money. I've seen fights stakes. over it. Oh, absolutely. Fights over I've seen uh, equipment managers get in over their head trying to think they were going to hang with the players and go there with the wagers and end up crying. Grown men crying saying, I can't pay this. Thankfully, there were some good dudes on the Giants. I've played that in the clubhouse. Rosie Greer, it's all right to cry. Yeah. Crying takes the sad <laughs> out of you. Football player. All right, we gotta we gotta talk to the Marlins DJ and see if they can get some better uh, music out there. Uh, in case you want to know, uh, this weekend CBS Sports HQ we will have you updated. DJ, a younger Lele is going to decide where he goes. Good luck, Danny. Watch CBS Sports HQ all weekend if you want to find out where he's going. My guess, Clemson. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Derby. See ya.